Thank you, Tracy. Look quickly, you can see uh, what's going on this week, but I want to just encourage you. The Blood Mobile is here today from 8 until 1. Uh, also at 9.30, between this service and Sunday school, Tracy Chambers, I've been calling her Tracy Parham, but Tracy Chambers uh, is going to be signing people up uh, for having your picture taken for the directory. Uh, there is uh, an insert in your bulletin that gives you the dates on that in May and also in June. But if you'd like to sign up today, she will be there. That's in the hallway as you get to um, to the Fellowship Hall. Also, remind the GAs of the mother-daughter luncheon at 12. The youth will meet tonight as well as the Iwanis and also the adult evening service. Three exercise classes this week, uh, handbell practice Monday. Uh, praise and worship choir on Wednesday at six, and the KIP—they're not meeting. Okay, all right. Let me make a note of that. So the praise and worship will not meet uh, Wednesday night, but the KIP will meet at seven, as well as the youth and adults and the adult choir practice. Uh, several dates, please put on your calendar. Uh, the Sunday school anniversary picnic will be on Sunday, May the thirty, May the twenty-first, from three o'clock until until you leave. Okay, and the meal will be served around four thirty. Um, the uh, children's missions group, that is the RASGA's and Mission Friends, are going to have their annual derby race on Wednesday night, the thirty-first. I don't know how many of you have come to that, but it's a lot of fun. A lot of excitement, really, and uh, I hope that you'll just, again, mark that on your calendar also. We continue the um, Baptist Children's Homes um, uh, food roundup. If you've got any supplies you'd like to bring them, please get them in quickly so that we can get those to the transportation place. Uh, also, new Bible studies going to begin on Tuesday, um, May the 2nd. Uh, one will be at 9.30 in the morning at the home of Jan Bowes, and the other will be here at the church that night at 6.30. Two different Bible studies, the one in the morning, Fight Back with Joy, and the one in the evening, Proven. And, and there's information in your bulletin, again, about that also. Thank you cards have been received from the Rosa Mae Lewis family, the family of Geraldine Solomon, and the family of Jean Clayton, and they're posted on the bulletin board. A lot of folks we need to remember today in prayer. Uh, please continue to pray for Bud Hall at the VA Medical Center in Durham. Uh, Ruffin Woody, many if not all of you know Ruffin. Ruffin has been in uh, Roxborough Hospital or Person Memorial this past week. Also, John and Joe Riley's mother, Mary Riley, was admitted back into the hospital on Friday. Joe Lee in Salisbury at Duke, Michelle Grant, who is the daughter of Doyen and Jean Duncan, her she was scheduled for surgery tomorrow, but that has been postponed. But please continue to remember her. She's going to undergo more tests. Uh, Wayne Solomon at Duke, Elizabeth Tuck. Texie Wren originally was scheduled for s- surgery on Thursday, but they have moved that up to Tuesday. So please, please remember her. On Tuesday, Margaret O'Brien, uh, add her name to the Roxburgh Nursing and Rehab. And Kelby Oakley, uh, Charlie Buck Oakley's son, uh, was in Atlanta and got sick, and he is um, very sick. So please, please remember him in prayer also. At home, Helen and Weldon Bowes, Linda and Doug Carver, Faye Carver, Mary Alice Clayton, uh, Liz Cole, 
Ricky Dixon, who was in Duke Regional this week, um, Carolyn Fuller, Renee Gentry, Reverend Brian Hager, Ira Jones, as we mentioned last week, was in a wreck and was in Duke um, for several days. He is at home. Uh, Wanda Robertson, Rocky Stewart, Matthew Thornburg, Donna Wilburn, Donald Wilson, Barbara Winstead. Uh, Joyce Wren is here, but continue to remember Joyce. Uh, Pam Wren also. And Philippe Fortin. Is Philippe still at Duke or has he gone home? He is at home. Okay, so please add Philippe uh, to that, to the prayer list also. Let us join together as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that, Lord, you are here with us. God, we truly want to worship you this day. And as a part of our worship, we know that it's important that we come before you lifting up the needs of others. God, we know that you are the great physician. You are the comforter. God, you are the one who gives us purpose for each day that we live. And God, I just pray that whatever the needs, not only the folks that are listed on the prayer list, but the needs of, of the ones that are seated here in this sanctuary, Father, that you would just bless and meet those needs. God, we again lift up to you the many folks in the church and community that have cancer, and whether they're awaiting surgery or more treatments are just recovering from treatments and surgery. Father, we pray that you would bless them and keep them. We pray, Father, for those that will have surgeries this coming week. We especially lift Texie Wren up to you and pray, Father, that her surgery would go well. And God, for those that continue to grieve because they've lost loved ones not only in recent weeks, but God, who just grieve because they have lost someone that has meant so much to them, we pray that you would strengthen and comfort them. And God, we pray for our church. Lord, help us never to lose sight of the Savior that we serve. Help us not to turn away from you, Lord. Help us not to think that we're worthy of your love and salvation except by your grace. But Father, thank you for that grace. Regardless of our race, our educational status, our wealth, our poverty, Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you love us. And God, help that love that you have for us to fill our hearts and spill over from our lives to the world around us, most especially the communities that we live in. And Father, today, God, we just pray that you'll speak not only in the worship services, but in Sunday school, in the Awanas, all that we do, the youth. God, every meeting that we have, may it be to seek your will to grow in our faith and to be empowered to leave this place and go out and witness to others. God, again, we, we want to honor you this day, and we pray that that's what we'll do. And as we pray together, we remember the prayer that your son taught his disciples to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.
And our verse of the month comes from John 19, verse 6. Let's read this together. When the chief priest and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. At this time, I'm going to ask our children to come down to the front for our our children's moment. That's the 
main story that I wanted to tell you today. But let me tell you another quick story, okay? What did you notice different about the uh, parking lot today? Did you notice anything? I'm going to... <coughs> a car could run over you a month and you didn't hold on to that chance. Actually, you are exactly right. But did you notice there weren't any stripes out there? Did your parents have trouble deciding where to find the car? <laughs> Let me tell you what. You know, the parking lot, they recovered it. And you know why we put those par- uh, stripes out there? So we'll know how to park. And so that we won't hit another car and we'll park safely. And you know, having a parking lot without stripes, and they're going to put them on there, is kind of like not having a Bible. You know what I'm saying? Because the Word of God is kind of like a directional thing for us. And that's. That's another whole story, but I just wanted to share that this morning. And adult, you know, we need not only have that parking lot strike, but we need our Bible, don't we? Amen. And, uh, and I just hope that we'll be faithful in not only reading it ourselves, but reading it to these children that we All right, that's Amen. two stories. Next week, I'm going to read one, okay? So look, let's say it clear, okay? All right, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for each one of our children, not only the ones down front, but all that come to our church. Please bless them as they grow up. Lord, may they come to know that Jesus is alive and that he wants to live in their hearts and guide their lives. And thank you, Lord, for moms and dads and grandparents that bring these children to church. God, please, please bless these children as they grow up. May they know your family. In his name we pray. Amen. Thank you, guys. Yes, ma'am. French fries, ketchup, and chicken nuggets, Ray, just so you know. And chocolate milk. (laughs) Please stand and join us in singing 174, I Gave My Life for Thee.
Jeff Norman, would you lead us please in this prayer? Amen.
Let us pray. Father, one day we will know what a Savior you are. Help us by faith to believe what the Word of God tells us about the eternal life that you have prepared for us there in heaven. And even though our minds cannot comprehend everything about your return to gather your children and about how the dead in Christ are safe, God, I pray today that you might shed light and you might speak through your word. And we as your children would listen. And if there's anyone here that is not yet trusted Christ as Savior, that doesn't have that assurance that their name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and that if Jesus came back today, Lord, that they would be in danger of judgment rather than in danger, rather than entered into heaven. God, please speak to that person's heart and lead them, Lord, to trust your Son as their Savior. Please again, Father, speak in these moments. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me again read to you from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. And it's important that you understand that I, I want you to hear this in the Living Bible, regardless of the translation that you have. But please listen to these verses. And now, dear brothers, I want you to know. Now listen to this. I want you to know what happens to a Christian when he dies. Paul is trying to reveal under the leadership of the Spirit of God what's going to happen to you and I as Christians when we die. So that when it happens, you will not be full of sorrow as those who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and then came back to life again, we can also believe that when Jesus returns. And let me stop for just a second. Now, folks, as a Christian, I want to ask you as a born-again Christian... We believe that Jesus died, he was buried, he rose again. But do we truly believe that Jesus Christ is going to return? And he is. And this is what Paul, he's building on this. And he says, God will bring back with him all the Christians who have died. And let me again, if you don't have the living Bible, I just encourage you to listen. All the Christians who have died, God's going to bring back with him. And Paul says in verse 15, Paul is not making this up. Paul says, I can tell you directly from the Lord. Paul got this message from God. And and I'm just sharing with you what Paul was given by God. Listen to this. That we who are still living when the Lord returns will not rise to meet them ahead of those who are in the graves. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven. And notice there are going to be three soul-staring sounds with a mighty shout with a soul-staring cry of the archangels and the great trumpet call of God and listen to this and the believers who are dead will be the first to rise to meet the Lord then those who are alive and remain on the earth will be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and remain with him forever, so comfort and encourage each other with this news. We've been studying the rapture. This is the fourth message on it. Folks, 
when you and I look at the Lord Jesus and the New Testament, we find that there is God's revelation concerning death and life after death. And in this passage of Scripture, Paul has been given a special revelation from God concerning the resurrection of the dead and the return of Jesus. And folks, I don't want you to think that this is just an isolated scripture. In both 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, uh, Paul speaks about the return of the Christ. And listen to what he says in verse in, in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 and 54. And look, if you want these verses, I'll gladly give you these, or a friend will have them, and, and you can have these verses. This is 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 50 through 54. And, and listen, is he not describing again the rapture? Listen to this. Lo, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep or die, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. What's one of the sounds that we're going to hear at the return of Christ? The trumpet call of God. And Paul mentions it here. Listen, for the trumpet sound, the trumpet will sound. I am so full today. If I run over, y'all just forgive me, okay? Because I've got something that I feel is important for me to share with you today, okay? As your pastor. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed for this perishable nature must put on the imperishable. This mortal nature must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come the past, the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Death for the Christian is victory, not defeat. Death for the Christian is a new beginning in the presence and with the presence of God. And folks, again, the word of God does not want us to be um, uneducated and uninformed. And, And let me point something out. What Paul teaches agrees with what our Savior taught in the Gospels. Listen to this out of John chapter 5, verse 24 to 29. And and I'm trying to put all this together. Okay, listen to this. John chapter 5, Jesus himself is speaking. Truly, truly, you know those are code words. When Jesus says truly, truly, he says, I'm getting ready to tell you a spiritual truth. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my words and believes him who sent me has what? Eternal life. What else? He does not come into judgment but has passed from death to life. Now listen to what Jesus is saying. For the Christians, our sins were judged on the cross. And when we meet the the Lord God, it is his blood that gives us the holiness and the righteousness that God's holiness demands. But listen to what he says in verse 25. Truly I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And in Jesus' ministry, there were those that he called back from the dead. We'll mention those in just a moment. But he's speaking beyond that. He says in verse 26, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. Do not marvel at this. Now listen to this next phrase. For the hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come forth. 
Now listen to this closely. What Jesus is saying. Those who have done good. And this is not salvation by works. This is salvation by trusting in the mercy and the grace of God. To those who have believed in Jesus Christ. They'll be resurrected to the resurrection of life. And this is what happens in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. At the rapture. This next resurrection, those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment, happens at the great white throne judgment in Revelation 20.11. And furthermore, Jesus said to Martha in John 11, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. And even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now listen to her response. I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. You see, for the Jewish people, they knew that one day there would be a resurrection and people would stand before God. And I hope you and I understand that one day we're going to stand before our creator and give an account of ourselves. But listen to what Jesus said. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And Jesus said, do you believe this? And she said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. Well, folks, here's the point I'm trying to make as we begin. Don't you think, first of all, that Paul got his teaching on life after death from Jesus? And folks... I want to be very bold in saying this, not to belittle or criticize anybody who doesn't believe the way I do. But let me tell you something. If we say that we do not believe that there's life after death, it is calling Jesus and the word of God liars. And you remember where lying comes from. It comes from Satan. But folks, let me give you one more passage. And I'm I'm going to be, I wish you'd go back and read 1 Corinthians 15. Let me go back to 1 Corinthians 15 and read verses 12 through 23. The authority of the word of God gives us the assurance and comfort we need that there is life beyond the grave. Listen to this. And Paul is battling the argument. Some are saying that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. And listen to what Paul says. If Christ is preached as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, listen to this. Our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. If Jesus Christ was not raised from the dead, I'm one of the biggest idiots standing up here preaching that Jesus is raised from the dead. Some of y'all might have that opinion anyway. But anyway, (laughs) folks, what we're doing, all of this is, is in vain if Jesus were not raised from the dead. And he says in verse 15, we're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified of God that he raised Christ whom whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those who have already fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Now listen to verse 18. I'm, I'm sorry, Michelle, if you'll go back just... Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished if Jesus has not been raised. 
The death and the grave is the end if Christ is not raised. But now listen to this, verse 19 and following. If for this life only we have hoped in Christ, we are all men most to be pitied. But listen to verse 20, and this is a verse that you need to highlight. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits. Just hold on to those two words, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Listen to verse 21. For as by a man came death, by a man has also come the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits. Then at his coming, what does that mean? The rapture. Then at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Now, folks, with that in mind, let's go back to the rapture, okay? How will the rapture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 unfold? Well, let me read again to you verse 14, okay? 1 Thessalonians 4, 14, okay? And I'm going to read it out of the Living Bible. For since we believe that Jesus died and then came back to life again, we can believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring with him all the Christians who have died. And in some translations, he uses the word sleep. But, but Paul is describing here death. What happens when a Christian dies? Well, you remember we've already said 2 Corinthians 5, 8. Listen to this out of the King James. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. What does that mean? And I'm going to take this literally. When you and I, when our hearts stop and we are declared dead, guess what? We might be dead in the eyes of those that are around us, but we're present with the Lord. We're more alive than we've ever been before. Our earthly bodies, after we die, are placed in a grave, a resting place, and no longer functions. Now, James in chapter 2, verse 26, is talking about faith. But listen to what he says, James 2, 26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead. Now, folks, again, listen to what I believe Paul is teaching here. When you and I die, our spirit goes to be with the Lord, but our body is placed in the ground. And again, before we go any farther, I want to just tell you the foundation for all of this is a scripture and the teaching of our Lord. And let me again read you 1 Corinthians fifteen twenty. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who fall asleep. And that first fruit, that seems crazy, doesn't it? But listen, let me tell you what that that expression, first fruit, means in the New Testament. First fruit means an example of that which is to come. And so Paul is saying and teaching that Jesus demonstrates what life after death is like. If Jesus is the first one raised to this eternal life then he sets the example for us. And listen to what John says in 1 John 3, 2. And again, I'm going to read this out of the Living Bible. When he comes, we will be like him. 
So when Jesus comes back, you and I are going to be transformed into being like Jesus. If you and I want to know what it's like for a Christian to die and live again, we must look at the experience of Jesus. Okay? And I can't even remember where I first read this information, okay? But I think the scriptures bear this out. When a Christian dies, there is separation of spirit from the body. All right, now remember again, we're not just the physical person, we're the spiritual person because we've been made in the image of God, correct? And so when a person dies, their spirit is separated from their body. Now, where can we find background for that? Listen to what Jesus said just before he died in Luke 23, 46. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into thy hands I commit my what? My spirit. Not his body. Jesus knew that body was just about to give up. That body was just about to die. Jesus' body died and was buried in a tomb, but his spirit went to be with the Father. Second, that's Second Corinthians 5, 8, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. No wonder Paul would say in Philippians 1, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. How many of us think dying is a wonderful thing and we're going to gain all of that? Folks, this is what Paul says. And I think I've mentioned this before. Paul Azinger, who was a golfer back in the 90s, heard a fellow golfer, a Christian, say that we've got things turned around in life. We think that we're living in the land of the living, going to the land of the dying. But in essence, we're living in the land of the dying, going to the land of the living. If that, I hope that makes sense to you. And listen, as Jesus was getting ready to die, not only did he did he... Did he commit his spirit to the father, to that thief on the cross who asked Jesus to remember him when he entered into his kingdom? What did Jesus say? Truly, I say to you today, today, you'll be with me in paradise right away. It's not any type of uh, transition time. You will be with me. And again, I believe the word of God bears out that when we die, our spirit goes immediately to be with God while our earthly bodies go to the grave. And so at death for the Christian, first of all, there's separation of the spirit from the body. And secondly, there will be a resurrection of the body that is placed in the grave. Now, again, listen closely, folks. Listen to the word of God. And the body that's going to be raised will not be the same oh, earthly body that we've inhabited, but a new eternal spiritual body. After three days of being in the tomb, Jesus came back to his disciples in a body in appearance like his earthly body. Listen to this. John twenty twenty. He showed them his hands and his side. They recognized that it was Jesus but folks, listen, in John 21, and there's no verses for that. Just hold on. Jesus ate with them. He met with them. But Jesus had a body and similar appearance, but it was an eternal body. He was no longer bound by time and place and space. And he could come through locked doors and he would ascend into heaven and he will descend from heaven. 
So listen again to John 5, 25. Truly, truly, I say to you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And folks, Jesus demonstrated this in his earthly body or in his earthly ministry. Jesus demonstrated in his earthly ministry that he could raise people from the dead. And there are at least three accounts. You've heard me say this often. Lazarus in John 11, the widow of Nain's son in Luke 7, Jairus' daughter in Mark 5. But in his heavenly ministry, Jesus will raise the dead bodies of those who have died in Christ. When will it happen? First Thessalonians Chapter 4, beginning with verse 13. And folks, you know, there's a lot of people say, oh, that can't happen. Well, let me ask you something. If God created the heavens and the earth, if God created Adam from dust, can't God, through his son, recreate our decomposed bodies to be like his eternal son? Amen. And I believe that he can And I believe his son taught that, and I believe his word teaches that. Here's the three things I want to point out this morning, okay? Let me just review number one, okay? At death, there's separation of the spirit from the body. At the rapture, there will be a resurrection of the body. But here's the third thing. What will these new resurrected bodies be like? Let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 again. Let me read these verses to you out of the Living Bible. Just follow with me. These are just some very, very beautiful verses. But someone may ask, how will the dead be brought back to life again? What kind of bodies will they have? This is what Paul says in verse 36. Just just absorb this verse. What a foolish question. You will find the answer in your own garden. When you put a seed into the ground, it doesn't grow into a plant unless it dies first, correct? But let me ask you something. Does that seed that you plant become like that seed it's from that seed but something has happened to it god has touched it let me try and and put this in in my simple mind you know a crook neck squash ain't one of the prettiest vegetables is it but when you plant that seed does it look like a crook neck squash when you plant a watermelon seed Does it look like a watermelon? No, it doesn't. God does something very amazing, doesn't it? Listen to what Paul says. When the green shoot comes out of the seed, it is different, very different from the seed you first planted. First of all, you put in, for all you put into the ground is a dry little seed of wheat or whatever you are planting. Then God gives it a beautiful new body, just the kind he wants it to have. Think for just a moment. Folks, I can't fully understand all of this, but I believe it. Because God can do anything he wants to. 
if God can take that little old white small seed and make a crookneck squash or a 50-pound watermelon or an 800-pound pumpkin, although I've never grown one of those, what can he do with the body that has been laying in the ground when that body hears the voice of the Lord Jesus Christ? Let me read a little bit Father Paul. A different kind of plant. Oh, I already read that. Listen to this, verse 42. In the same way, our earthly bodies, which die and decay, are different from the bodies we will have when we come back to life again. And underscore the next phrase. For they will never die. The bodies we have now embarrass us. Now, I I want to just stop for just a second. I read this the first time, and I thought, look. In the, uh, in the Revised Standard Version, it says our bodies are sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. And I thought, what do you mean dishonor? If God made our bodies, then we're beautiful. We're good, right? Because God doesn't make no junk, as I, I read a long time ago. But now, just think for just a second. As we get old, don't we kind of get a little bit embarrassed about our bodies? Some of us. I've lost part of my hair. I got a turkey neck, so says Ella. (laughs) How many advertisements are there on TV right now about how to make yourself better looking, more muscular, slimmer, trimmer, more attractive, yada, 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 yada? But you know what? There ain't no pill that you can take that's going to cause you to rise from the dead and join the Lord Jesus Christ in the air. Amen. Only the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. But listen to what Paul says. We now, these bodies we have now embarrass us because they become sick and die. But they will be full of glory when we come back to life again. And this ain't glory for us. It's glory for God. Yes, they are weak, dying bodies now, but when we live again, they will be full of strength. They're just human bodies at death, but when they come back to life, they will be superhuman bodies. For just as they are natural human bodies, they're also supernatural spiritual bodies. The scriptures tell us that the first man, Adam, was given a natural human body, but Christ is more than that, for he was life-giving spirit. Pause just a second. When God created mankind, he breathed the breath of life in him, correct, according to the book of Genesis. When you and I are given eternal life, the eternal breath of life is breathed into us. Verse 46, first, then we had these human bodies, and later on, God gives us spiritual heavenly bodies. Adam was made from the dust of the earth, but Christ came from heaven above. Every human being has a body just like Adam's made of dust, but all who become Christ will have the same kind of body as his, a body from where? From heaven. Just as each one of us now has a body like Adam, so we shall someday have a body like who? Like Christ. 
I tell you this, my brothers, an earthly body made of flesh and blood cannot get into God's kingdom. These perishable bodies of ours are not the right kind to live forever. What is Paul saying here? What will these new resurrected bodies be like? Here's four things, I think, okay? God will give his children a new spiritual body fit for eternity. These new bodies are made for eternity. Not just for, it's not for this earth, it is for heaven. And these new bodies, and I want you to listen to this because here's something that I am so thankful for. These new bodies will be free of sin. How many of you struggling with personal sins right now? I want to tell you, I am so thankful that one day I'll have a body like Jesus and I won't have to struggle with sin, nor pain or disabilities. And the fourth thing, these new bodies will be recognizable by others. I know there's a lot of people that disagree with that, but let me tell you what I base that on. When the disciples saw Jesus, they knew who he was, didn't they? Nail prints in his hand, spear mark in his side. John 21 Jesus is on the seashore, has prepared a meal for them, and he invites them to come and eat and fellowship. Folks, why is this so important? You remember several times during the study, I've read from Job who asked if a man dies, will he live again? And the answer to that is yes. Jesus proved it. Jesus demonstrated it, and Jesus Christ has purchased that for you and me at the cross. The story of Easter is an eternal story. Christ lives forevermore. And when we trust Jesus as our Savior, death is not the stop sign. Death is the Autobahn. We're just starting to live as we live in heaven with him. It's simply up to us to receive by faith that Christ is the Son of God, the Savior of the world. He died to take upon himself the judgment of our sin The Father raised him from the dead to prove not only that Jesus was the Son of God, but Jesus is the way, the truth, and what else? The life, eternal life. Let us pray. Father, I pray that the words of Scripture and the words of your Son might give us strength to know that if we have trusted Christ as Savior, life does not end at the grave. Lord, remind us again that before Jesus died, he told those disciples, I go to prepare a place for you that where I am there you may be also. And Father, I pray that you would just take the scriptures and, and fortify our hearts with the knowledge 
that you've already prepared the way for us to go beyond the grave. I thank you for the promise that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I thank you, Lord, that when our spirit is separated from our body, Lord, that you're going to come back and get that body and, and, and give it an eternalness that will enable us to be with you throughout, throughout eternity. And God, I pray for us as Christians. I pray that even though there's much of this that is still a mystery, Father, that you would give us faith to understand that you've taken care of all these things because you love us. And you want us to have that eternal life. And Father, in these moments, I also pray for those that have not yet trusted Christ as Savior. Perhaps all the scripture that we've read today might seem to be a great mystery and just seems so far-fetched. But God, speak to their heart. Lead them to take the first step in understanding life after death. And that step is to believe that Jesus came and died to take away our sin. And I pray that with a childlike faith, you would give them the desire to repent of sin and acknowledge that without you, they cannot be saved. But with you, they cannot be lost because your son has purchased salvation for us on the cross. God, please have your way and your will in these moments of invitation ahead. For we ask in Christ's name, amen. Our hymn of invitation this morning is Jesus paid it all. And he did, folks. He paid it all for us. Would you trust him as your Savior? Number 249, let's stand as we sing.
Yeah. 